Building a software business today requires lots of decisions. Building software isn't just about choosing a programming language or a framework or a database. Software developers have to choose the right cloud service provider, the best issue tracking service, the best hosted code repository, the clearest data visualization tools. We need a platform to compare the options between different products all in one place. In today's episode, we talk to Ayan Barua from Siftery, a platform for software products and the companies who use them. Siftery's mission is to help technologists find the best products for their job, whether they are a sysadmin or an advertising account manager. My discussion with Ayan covers the question of build versus buy, and how to build a recommender system, and how software will be built in the future. This is also a great episode for anyone who is thinking of how to build a two-sided marketplace business. Siftery, after all, is a business for software products and the companies who use them. So it is ultimately a two-sided marketplace. If you are a fan of Software Engineering Daily, tell us how to improve. Please fill out our listener survey. There is a link to the survey in our newsletter and at softwareengineeringdaily.com. We would love to know what you think. We want to know what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. We listen to all of the feedback that we get, so please fill out the survey on softwareengineeringdaily.com or in our newsletter. Ian Barua is the CTO of Siftery, a platform for software products and the companies who use them. Ian, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for having me. What is Siftery? Um, Siftery at, at Siftery, we are trying to build the ultimate company to product graph, which is basically the relationship of a buyer with all the tools or a software adopter with all the tools and services that you know they are working they're using at their work um and so it, it's like a giant recommendation system the more data you provide to siftery we get better in understanding what your landscape is and we recommend software based on what your stack is and what your similar company stacks are um so siftery's goal is to recommend the best software service for a particular scenario that a company might be in why is this useful to software engineers? Um, so software engineers, right, we, like, as a software engineer myself, right, there's, the landscape is humongous, right? Um, we have a certain stack, we have a certain preference. Every company has a certain preference around languages, around application architecture. Um, it's It's important that, you know, we pick the right tools and pick the right software, uh, that that's like our tool tool chain. Um, so Siftery allows or Siftery helps software engineers to understand the software landscape better. So uh, we we can understand you know, as a platform, it you know we can understand what exactly your stack looks like, and then based on that. So if you're on a Rails stack, right, we can understand. Okay, there are the gaps. Here are the gaps. Like you probably should have should pick up a logging framework which fits in naturally with you know, every company probably that is using Rails. So that, that collab filter around uh, the entire world is a pretty interesting dynamic for not only software engineers, but almost every, everyone who's using software, you know. 
Software engineering has always had this debate of build versus buy. And 10 years ago, the situation was often that if you bought software, you were compromising. Uh, You know, you didn't get optimum quality, but it saved you time. And if you built your own software, you would get better quality, but it would take you months of extra developer time. And now there is an ocean of high quality software products that we can use as quick engineering building blocks and it's no longer just like build versus buy. It's like build versus buy versus buy versus buy. And there's all these different products you can buy to solve any particular solution, mm-hmm. any particular problem. So what is your current perspective on how engineers should approach the question of build versus buy? I think if you look at startups in general, right, we optimize for speed. We need to get to the market as quickly as possible and with the highest quality possible. So, I think uh, like even even if you're building, you're building on top of existing open source architecture. You're not really starting from scratch. You, you know, all of us are standing on the shoulders of giants. Uh, so we are pretty much um, we are pretty much building all the time. Um, all of the time, it's not buy because sometimes we are adopting open source. Open source. That's we're not really paying dollars for. Uh, an open source tool but we are actually you know our role in especially in startups when when it comes to software engineering it's a lot of assimilation that we are doing right so for example uh, on siftery uh, our search right so people are searching all the time right Um, and we had the option of going grounds up with search but you know a tool like Erolia which is like fabulous right um, it just it just took the you know life cycle of building search from scratch uh, by say three to four months, right? And we 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 tuned Algolia to quite a lot, quite we we tuned it quite a lot, um, but we eventually got it to a functional state which is like really really good state around search in like a couple of weeks, right? So so cutting down that so hitting the market earlier is something that you know as a startup as as any company for that matter you know um is, yeah. is pivotal yeah i think algolia is like a perfect example you know the, uh, comparing the speed of getting on board with algolia versus rolling your own elastic search or something like that uh yeah yeah it's just yep. so much so much time savings and that time translates time saving and, and and their speed is terrific i mean I think we we've put together a pretty decent software engineering team, but you know the consensus is that like holy shit, you know this this <laughs> tool like to replicate search like this, it will take a lot of time, right? So we had two types of searches: one was a site search, and one was another autocomplete that we built up uh, grounds up. But you know eventually we realized that you know like we just need to flip to Algolia for this as well because the uh, the quality of software that they've built is just mind blowing and and it's not only Algolia it's just so many other tools you know um, like our entire infrastructure is on Amazon it it like you know I've been in the I've been in the engineering side of things for like you know one and a half decades now it was very different you know earlier and building on top of existing infrastructure is so easy right now it it makes so so engineers can actually focus on the core problem of you know if you have a business case and you you have a product idea we can focus on the core 
and not worry about you know will will our you know website crash under traffic because you know if you're on ec2 you can use the load balancer you can basically create a cluster you can you can have different type of you know data stores like elasticash rds and you can mix and match and all of them is on the same cluster so like scaling I, we haven't scaled yet to the point that we would like to but even traffic wise right when there is product hunt hitting you tech crunch hitting you right earlier it was so much paranoia now it's like <laughs> you know much much calmer i think you know like from so a I, paranoia I was, I, I was gonna ask about that so so like you know when you guys announced on product hunt you got to the top and you got all this traffic uh, as because of it i'm sure but uh you know i went to siftery that day and there wasn't any traffic problems so did you hit any scalability issues that day yeah we were like i was stealing the logs and they were flying they were like matrix happening right i mean the traffic was (laughs) the traffic was like i didn't because i was not on the other side of product hunt uh this was the first time i was seeing this kind of a blow up happening so the traffic was crazy but I, i think we scaled well because you know we kind of understood that uh, the kind of product, the type of traffic product hunt brings is like very, very, very fast. You know, the concurrency increases like crazy because everybody is hitting the hitting the website. So I think we used a couple of tools like Blitz, you know, to understand like what level of concurrency we can handle, and then you know we we prepared well because um, a lot of our data data basically resides in Elasticash, which is basically Redis. Um, so we have a we have an architecture which is designed to read quickly, um, and you know the half of the data, like the data that is being constantly read, is on Elasticash. Some of it is in Postgres, which is in RDS. Mm. So I think we we kind of designed that. We had that in mind that you know the concurrency is going to be important because when you are blowing up up on product and you don't want to go down. That's a nightmare situation, right? Um, that just kills the momentum. So we we designed for it, uh, but we didn't over-engineer it. We just ensured that, you know, we can handle a lot of concurrence. And I guess that it worked out fine for product, as well as TechCrunch. TechCrunch has the same sort of effect. And so right now I imagine you have so many fewer rights because uh, in order to write, you have to be a member of, well, you have to, as I understand, you have to be a member of a company that mm-hmm. that is displaying their stack on uh, on Siftery. So, like if I'm uh, mm-hmm. LinkedIn, for example, uh, you know the only way if I'm an employee of LinkedIn, uh, or the only way for the LinkedIn stack to be edited is by an employee of LinkedIn. Yep. So, yep. so you have a, a more right uh, light. Um, yeah. Uh, product yeah. product yeah. offering right now. Did do you expect? Do you expect when, like as as this becomes more popular and you have uh, heavier write traffic? Do you expect that to become more difficult to scale? Um, I I don't think it's going to be that difficult to scale. Um, unless we like for for a traffic heavy website like which is optimized for write. So for so for Twitter, it's very difficult because you know it's all write. Like write is heavily. Um, like the the percentages between writes and reads are almost like you know, but for our case, I don't think we are going to hit that level of scalability issues um, anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, we we have also designed the website in a way so that the read is easier. Um, that also means that you know we had to like 
uh, understand because if you look at if you look at a group right i don't know whether you've seen a group like we what we do in a group is we put together a bunch of companies right these companies could be any logical construct so we put together like a y combinator portfolio or unicorns or even we could say customers of aluli or customers of you know zendesk or something like that like so um and and this is real time aggregation around all the data that all the company has right so the reads are i won't say that they are complex but we've we've had to optimize it because initially it was getting slower you're hitting like a uh, like the moment you hit a group there's a lot of data coming from different sources so yeah we are right now read optimized but i i don't think uh, you know we are going to hit right optimization scalability issues anytime soon like uh, i mean that's a good problem to have though yeah, absolutely uh, right it certainly yeah, is. right now right now you know we we see that there are a lot of people who are signing up and giving us data getting recommendations um so if if you look at the site it's very click heavy so the writes are happening but it's not like textual right you could just click and say that i'm interested or i'm not interested or um say i'm just so it it is the writes are very subtle let's put it that way but it's still as as you said that it is it is still a read optimized sort of you know website right now it's a good problem to have yeah i hope that you know there's more data coming in because it's it's the design Uh, if you look at the way it's designed it's basically geared for a give to get model like you give the more you give the more you get mm-hmm. right and lot of websites have come and gone who haven't really thought through the incentive structure around um, like if you look at a lot of review websites it's actually work for you to go and you know do a review right mm-hmm. so uh, we had to think through the incentive structure like you know first like our motto at siftery would be is basically to give first and then you know like have an ask much later. Mm yeah that's a that's a much more effective viral loop than the obvious than the uh, opposite one. Um so when people think of software engineering they often think of someone writing lines and lines of code but software these days is composed of a lot of building blocks and you've kind of touched mm-hmm. on this earlier it's like much easier to build software these days using these these building blocks um you know one example i think of this is is like a wordpress site that uh that you can compose of a bunch of plugins that are created by people um and you know if if i'm building a wordpress site i don't even need to understand php i can just you know put together these building blocks of plugins and i'm curious if that exists on a higher level if you see that on a higher level like are there any companies that you know of perhaps on siftery that are able to build full-fledged software products by just gluing these different component pieces together without any internal technical specialists um i i think like if you look at software engineering right i mean it's a spectrum it's a spectrum from putting together really simple clean websites you know which is Uh, which which could be a simple blog right to a complex ecosystem like say quora right so i i think it is um like if you look at the spectrum right it just depends where your needs lie in terms of what sort of system you're building right if you're building a very complex data science driven machine learning sort of you know engine then obviously there's a lot lot more grounds up work that you need to do 
um but if you're if you're on the other side where you are basically you know testing the market with a hypothesis right then you could probably have like a quick assimilation of a wordpress tool and wordpress and then have mailchimp integrated to it and then you know just try to build your email list and stuff like that so i think it's a spectrum depends on what your use case is um I- i'm sure that there's a lot of groundbreaking uh you know sort of bottoms up work that is happening on in the ai field right now is machine learning i uh, like we are waiting we are just touching the tip of tip of you know the iceberg like we've probably not even touched the tip right so all that all that will require like the infrastructure is just not built out there when you talk about predictive analytics and when you talk about uh, complex ecosystems around data like we are still building the infrastructure layer for it mm-hmm. so i'm sure that there is a lot of grounds of work there uh, but if you look at uh, other lesser complex websites i'm sure that you it, it can be glued together with a bunch of tools and then the software engine itself is basically it's around the integration less around the engineering side of things but it's also a lot of integration that we're doing uh, but as you as as you see right i mean simple systems like twitter start off like a simple sms system <laughs> but then they when when you hit hit a certain scale you need to get the engineering going right you need to have like bottoms up thinking of the architecture how it fans out how it fans in so i guess that it also is a function of scale i mean when you are starting unless the product itself is a very very complex engineering product i guess that when you're starting out it's basically a simulation of different tools and you know getting getting to market faster uh, but when you hit scale obviously you have to think through all of all, all these things Yeah, this is an interesting did that did that make sense? Yeah, absolutely it makes sense. It's a, I think it's an interesting cool. discussion because there is this um you know there's this trade-off between so like I, I not to sound too buzzwordy but I think there is mm-hmm. an interesting trade-off in the microservices versus monolith argument here because mm-hmm. uh if if you're if you're thinking of if you've decided that you're going to be Uh, a company a software product that is going to scale if you are absolutely if your heart set on mm-hmm. scaling perhaps mm-hmm. you should build microservices from day one. but if you want to have this idea of you know i'm just going to build this thing together i'm going to throw it over the wall mm-hmm. and uh start getting customer engagement and expect to hit scalability problems mm-hmm. um then you know maybe you're content to build a monolith from from day one um that's that's just a i just say that as as an interesting tension that i feel like we've uh we've covered on several episodes um, yeah that is that is very interesting because see the business wants you know like if you're if you're building microservices if you're building an api from day one it you the engineering side of things need to be thought through right you you can't just like for example we talked about algolia i love the product their speed is in milliseconds right so i'm sure that they had had to think about scale from day one right so because their pitch is basically we will get you your results in less than 3 milliseconds yeah. right like our sometimes our queries are not fast enough on local host right so so they're doing a fabulous job there right so i think if you're if you're building a microservice sort of architecture where it's all api driven it's it's fabulous you know that's probably the way to go um but there's always this tension with 
engineering and product and business, right? Um, engineering always needs more time. Uh, engineering- yeah. I- I, I heard this this anecdote about uh, when they were building AWS, and I think they had the V1 of the product, and they presented it to Bezos, and they're like, so we've got AWS version 1, what do you think? And he's like, well, you know, if this in the event that this actually works out, it's going to fall over, and it's not going to work. So yep. there are certain products where you can't just build a monolith and throw it over the wall and hope for yep. the best. Because yep. if you lose trust, that's your only life. You're dead yep. Absolutely. instantly. Uh, absolutely. In this world where, you know, everybody is used to a Facebook-like experience, Twitter-like experience, which is fast and snappy, right? You Like the consumer doesn't want to understand whether you are a 2,000-member engineering team full of rock stars or you just one guy's talking it out right they want a fast snappy you know seamless experience from a consumer point of view so at the end of the day you know you have to sort of ensure that you know you are at least meeting the baselines the expectations have gone higher right um it's the same with microservices and mobile approach and you know i, I mean we can't take mobile mobile users for granted Earlier, we used to we used to say that oh, let's put a responsive website. Let's just yeah. use Bootstrap. Bootstrap. But the thing is that yeah, I mean that's that's okay for a, a minimal viable product, right? I mean when you're showing it around to people, but for real users, the interaction design on mobile is very different. Uh, so you yeah, had to, like we had to at Siftery, we had to think it through. You know, the mobile mobile interaction is a little different. So, um, you know, we're talking about these these building blocks, these software as a service building blocks that Siftery is is kind of built to index. Um, there's a group of people in the software engineering community who are open source fundamentalists, and many mm-hmm. of the types of software that someone might potentially purchase on a place like Siftery, like Algolia, for example. Algolia is not open source, I don't think, right? It's not, mm-hmm. is it? It's not. It's, yeah. it's a SaaS, SaaS product, paid product. Yeah, so is it healthy to have this streak of open source fundamentalism in the software engineering community, or do you think that it's counterproductive? Um, I, I, don't look, I don't think I look at it that way. I think it's mostly horses for courses, you know. Like at Siftery, we are indexing um, open source also, right? So I don't think we fundamentally distinguish between Algolia or Elasticsearch as, as an approach. If you want to build search from grounds up, if that is a need that your product has um, and you want to throw in Logstash and Kibana with it, right, and, and the entire package that goes with it, and you want to understand the search behavior analytics around it, uh, you want to capture much more, many more points. You want to tweak search the way, uh, you know, you would like to tweak search in a way. Because if it's a hosted search like Algolia, you can only like, you know, there's a point to which you can stretch it, right? Uh, it's not, you can customize it to quite a bit. But if if you're looking at customizing it to completely, like, I, I don't think, you know, in in that case, if that's the use case, then, you know, you have to go the open source route. So uh, for me, it is coming back to the question. For me, it is, you know, all of these tools can coexist, right? Um, we are using a lot of open source tools. We are also using a bunch of, uh, you know, 
we are also using a bunch of paid products like our entire development is basically vagrant chef like i don't think we've actually paid i would we would like to pay i mean those pieces of software are fabulous but you know like 50 to 60 percent of our dev uh engineering uh, sort of uh, stack is actually open source so we love open source i think open source needs to like you know open source like like the 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 issue with open source right now is that people are not making enough money of open source it's a lot of times it is basically um it's a good deal for on jobs and recognition and service contracts but a lot of people are building really high quality software and they are not making direct money out of it um some of the companies have scaled well like nginx and uh, docker and you know they make money on the like the red hat sort of you know the model where you make money of of support but i i think open source itself you know going forward like many years down the line and i i really do hope that the core core software can make money somehow and it's not on support so speaking of the open source discussion um i think it would be awesome if there were if there was a a tool that could granularly measure how different uh, open pieces of open source software compare against one another. So, for example, and I know this is really hard. So, for example, there are numerous JavaScript frameworks. There are numerous mm-hmm. streaming frameworks. We've done we've done so many shows about these big data streaming frameworks, like Samza, mm-hmm. Storm, Spark Streaming, Flume, and Flink, mm-hmm. and there's just infinite of them. And I can't wrap my mind around how to compare them. And I, I don't. I don't think that even the people who are building them have a great idea of what the pros and cons of each of them are. Mm-hmm. Do you sure. think this is uh, this is something that you would eventually want to build into Siftery, like the ability to compare uh, like the subtleties of, of an open source streaming framework? Yeah, we are actually working on something on, on, on that already. Like uh, we're building, a, can't give away too many details, but we're building a comparison engine on top of the data that we are gathering um, uh-huh. and and it will have subtleties i i think the first few versions we might not get it spot on but it is needed in the sense that um comparison today if you look at it uh, is it should be contextual it cannot be based on a, on a few fixed parameters because the context changes the usage context changes the option context changes so we hope to build a comparison sort of architecture which is driven off context and the type of customers or the type of stack. So I, th- I think that is why, you know, our belief that your stack should sort of guide what the other tools should be. And, and that happens subconsciously. Like, you know, we start at like every engineering house. If you look at, we start at certain framework, at certain language, we have language preferences. Some people like Java, some people like Python, you know, we like Ruby, JS, right? So the moment we have an Angular, so our entire front end is Angular. So, you know, like we are using a Rails app to sort of send the JSON data down the pipe. So I, I think, you know, we, we would like to get to this sort of a comparison between um frameworks and you know streaming service as you say but it, it's not easy to get it right the day at on the day one because uh, there are so many components and there's so many factors right 
um but yeah this 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 world itself needs needs a little more clarity around because we are going through this overabundance right uh, it's hard at times even for people who know their game it's hard like if you ask me i and do you want to go angular ember or react honestly <laughs> i don't know right i actually don't know i'm tempted to try out everything and that is just not possible because every framework has its own sort of you know ideology right once you start liking and diving deep into something you will sort of start liking it right so so how hard do you think that this recommendation engine is going to be to build like do you think uh cuz like if i think about collaborative filtering for books or videos and that that is i i can understand how that would definitely be uh a, a highly functional um great recommendation system but um mm-hmm. you know is 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 are our software products a different category like are there too many dimensions of subtlety to build uh a, a recommendation to, i i mean i'm 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 sort of mm-hmm. like leading you. I, I'm sure that the answer is no, because that's exactly what you're building. But maybe you could give me a better idea of like how you would structure a recommendation system. Tell me about the recommendation system. Yeah. So, so right now we have, um, we started at a very basic collab- collaboration filter, right? Um, and then we went up from there. We muted a few category of products. It didn't make sense. We muted, um, Uh, a few products that had high occurrence because right now the data set is crude uh, is skewed around um, a lot of analytics products right so our if you look at the data set right some of it we've we've crawled uh, we've hit dns we have hit the websites you know a lot of like every everybody is using google anal- analytics right so the first thing that we'll recommend uh is google analytics <laughs> every the whole world is using google ad- analytics right so we had to go down deep understand what recommendation systems what what we are recommending to different users and we had to sort of you know dampen the the overarching effect of the presence of a few products right so we started there i think uh we're getting a lot of response around yes i would like to use so this is this is also in the zone nobody has built something like this yet so we we are trying to understand you know like what the behavior is right now there's a lot of people a lot of users who are saying that yes i'm interested which means we are doing something right on the recommendations right it's um it, it's so you're of, saying the the feedback process where you recommend something to somebody and they're like oh sure yeah. i'm interested yeah so basically that we've built that in the moment somebody says i'm interested the moment somebody says that this doesn't make sense at all this recommendation right we feed <laughs> that immediately we feed that into the system immediately right so so you know it, it is basically um it's a hard problem to solve you know the last mile is going to be very oh, very yeah. hard we we need a lot of you know firepower around machine learning around understanding Uh, the core tenets of how people think around software how they uh, but I, i think from a collab perspective it, it is good good place to start i think two years down the line our recommendation system will be completely different you know it, it will have way more community data it will have a little bit of subjective data as well we can we can introduce other mechanics around 
who's using what. It's right now, it's just saying that I use this and I don't use this. It could be, I use this and I love it. And I use this, I probably tolerate it, right? Yeah. And I, I use this, I want to change it. So once you, once we start quantizing, you know, if, if we can give a quant, it, right now it's yes and no, it's binary one or zero. If you can break it down into a spectrum, I think the the recommendations are going to, you know, get get better over time. Um, and, and also, you know, like I actually, the fundamental belief that we have is that, um, and, and this is how people go about, if you talk about, you know, if you talk to a bunch of, you know, engineers, we actually, be, we try to build on top of what we already have, right? If it's a rail stack, we will try and go and get something like Sentry or Honey Badger or, you know, Ray Gun because these are meant to capture sort of the rails logging. Rails has a log infrastructure, right? Um, it, it, it basically spits out log in a certain way. There are certain tools, whether these are open source or whether these are paid products, right? Um, even in open source, right, eventually if you hit scale, you'll, you'll look for support, right? We, we started with Sidekick, which is an amazing uh, queuing tool, right? And now we are considering that we should probably get the pro version of it because now we've hit like, uh, like we, we, we are hitting certain scale where, you know, it, it seems like, having the right kind of support built around that queuing mechanism is probably the right way to go. So eventually, even for open source, I think the whole goal is if the open source scales in a certain way, the the maker of that you know project or that product can make money out of it. So yeah, it's it's it sounds like it sounds like there are a, a, a percentage of cases where the recommendation is really straightforward. There's a really high probability that they'll, they'll say yes. And then there's this other percentage that is just like really, really hard and it's really, really difficult to figure out mm. what dimensions you want to be considering, like, you know, in the axis of, uh, you know, when you're comparing streaming products or analytics products or JavaScript frameworks, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. you know, this these kinds of cases will be really the last mile that will be really hard to solve. But if you're doing something, if you if you wanted to recommend a chat application to somebody, that would be pretty straightforward these days. You just say you get Slack. <laughs> So, so some, some cases are very easy. Some cases are very easy. Some cases are very tough. Uh, a lot of median cases. So it's like a bell curve, you know, like some of them are very easy. Some of them are really, really tough. Right. So I, I think we can do a little bit of human curation as well. Right. I, I don't think we want to stay away and just mm-hmm. become this only this, you know, software engine. Right, we we could bring in a little bit of human curation. How we can the bring stitch that fix in. model, yeah. So how how we can how we can bring that in? I'm not. We are not entirely like we just launched ten days back, right? So I, I think we'll evolve over time where we can have a little bit of human curation, like dialogue going on around, uh, you know, what matters and what doesn't. Um, these these adoption of tools are really complex, and that's why. Um, till now, um, you know, a company like Gartner or Forest Forrester, which is basically consulting, these are consulting firms, right? These these adoption curves for big companies, you know, started at, at a dialogue. Like I need CRM, right? 
uh, that that's where, where it starts at and then some people come in they look at the entire stack and a lot of that can be automated and data driven but there could still be a little bit of human curation around dialogue you know we can have a community of users recommending um, on top of the recommendations so as I was preparing for this podcast siftery was actually a very useful tool because I was able to look at siftery's entire software as a service stack. So I got to see, you know, the components that you use to build Siftery. And mm-hmm. so, for example, I know that you use AWS, and this is probably getting into another one of these um, comparison discussions that is mm-hmm. too difficult to granularize. But why did you choose AWS over the other cloud providers like Azure or DigitalOcean? I think uh, it's kind of... Can I be honest here? It's probably habit. It's 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 probably habit. I'm sure that you no know, Azure is a fabulous platform. Um, AWS, I think, is deeply entrenched now, uh, and also it's just. I guess that it's like Facebook. You know, you, I'm just so comfortable with AWS, right? <laughs> so I need to. Um, so yeah, I, I guess that that's where that's where they have a head start. Because they were way early. I mean, others didn't even realize what was happening. Uh, nobody, nobody actually thought that you know that it's going to go this way. Because like Microsoft, right? They have the best engineers in the world still. I mean, their their engine firepower is still there, right? Uh, it's not about pulling off a product like this. I think they Azure or DigitalOcean is a fabulous product. I think just AWS has that entire offering around oh you need you need a load balancer throw it in you know you need a bunch of these servers throw it in you need rds throw it in right oh i need to get this data out and put it on cloud front oh throw that in so it's like this i i think we're spoiled for choice and it's very convenient um so i'm you know for me aws is just a lazy choice which works brilliantly so when you use aws to what degree do you feel a sense of lock-in Oh, it's a huge lock-in. It's a huge lock-in. Uh, I think we we have, like I have personally as the CTO contemplated um, multiple times whether we should just get, you know, a bunch of these servers and um, um, a bunch of these servers on something like SoftLayer. I've been on SoftLayer before. They're fabulous, like rock-solid servers, you know. They don't budge at all. I'm sure it's true for Stack Space and other all other, and I am almost like you know, like I am almost as if I'm on a pacifying spree for to all the vendors. Like I'm, I'm naming all of them and I'm saying they're rock solid. But it's true, right? It's true. I mean, software. I've been on software. It's just awesome, right? But I, I think, uh, you know, like my mind when I'm when I'm leading a startup. If it was a big company and we had like a one year horizon to ship a product. Um, and we, we would think about DevOps from day one. Uh, I guess that, you know, I would consider it, uh, consider building our own sort of server infrastructure from ground up. But if I'm thinking of three month, like, you know, Siftery, as you see, it is a four to five month product. And if you had checked it like in December, you would probably say that what a crappy product. Because we didn't have our UX right and you know all that, mm-hmm. so our focus was basically just on the on the core product, uh, AWS or any such tool which sort of like gets us there faster, um, sort of you know helps out 
in us figuring out the core proposition around the product faster. Um, I, I'm sure that you know if we have a lot of usage and there's there there is different sort of APIs, we need to look at we we might need to look at the entire architecture again, and then we might say that oh this is what we need and. Uh, you know, it's it's like I would say that you know right now it's convenience and laziness which works out brilliantly for me, but as we scale, we might need to go and own DigitalOcean servers or Axe-based servers. We just don't know yet. Um, Do you think there will be uh, some sort of shift or technological uh, breakthrough or allowance that will um, make will loosen that lock-in, will make it easier for people to to treat? Uh, treat server space as more of a commodity, like you know, maybe you could, if if you could use containers to you know quickly containerize your entire app and move it off of AWS. You know, is, do you think that's a possibility? I'm I'm sure it's a possibility. It's a very strong possibility. Docker is amazing that way. Even Core OS is you know, making rapid strides. Um, from an engine profile perspective, I think uh, as a CTO, I'm always worried about lock-in, right? As, as in, um, I don't want to get too dependent on a, on a certain service. I would, I like it's just good engine practice to hedge your bets uh, around and, and control as much infrastructure as as you can. So I think that is definitely true. Uh, Docker doesn't have mass penetration yet. I mean, it's Silicon Valley and the early adopters right now. It's a fabulous piece of product. Um, we we tried it out. Uh, but you know, personally, I was more uh, like, uh, more comfortable with Vagrant and Chef. That infrastructure, right? Chef is also awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as we as Docker matures and it has more and more penetration, um, and it becomes like um, it becomes sort of a necessity or uh, like it, it becomes ubiquitous, right? Like Nginx, Nginx is ubiquitous. And if you look at it, like uh, we 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 crawl like hundred fifty thousand websites, everybody is on Nginx. I mean, not everybody, but you know what I mean, right? Sure. So once 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 Docker has that ubiquity, you know, I, I think that uh, it will just help in getting control back of your infrastructure. Um, you can basically say, oh, here is my container. I can just put it on AWS or DigitalOcean. I'd love that, actually. I'd love that, yeah. you know. Uh, it, it's a distributed, it's a truly distributed sort of deployment that I'm doing. Um, traffic is also being redirected to wherever, you know, it's coming from. So some of them could be DigitalOcean servers. Some of them could be Rackspace. You know, it's, it's uh, personally, we don't have, we haven't hit that scale yet. So, yeah. um but yeah, that that's it's it's very interesting what's happening today, you know, with the whole, the entire container architecture. Um, it's very interesting. I think uh, it's it's a fundamental difference in how software has been built over the course. Like VMware did, you know, VM, VMware pushed the boundaries, and then now Docker is doing the same thing. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'll just take a little more time to penetrate every dev house possible. Right now, Docker is a little bit like. Um, you know, I have talked to a lot of my friends. Um, there is a lack of confidence, not in Docker, but the dev itself, dev himself. So I might come off saying that I don't know Docker enough, right? 
I need to invest time there to understand uh-huh. the power of it, right? Mm-hmm. So I understand Chef better. So let's just stick or stick with Chef and play around with Docker and eventually go there, right? So that mass penetration is slowly happening now. I think within within a few years, Docker will be way more, or or the whole container. I think there'll be more, like Core OS is there. There might be another player, you know, a couple of players. Amazon launched its own container service, right? So yep, easy. Yeah, so basically it is, it is like, it's going to be interesting, you know, it's like, you know, you running Software Engine Daily, it, it's like, you will be at the center in terms of understanding, you know, how this is going to pan out, because this is, <laughs> That's, this is an interesting, in, interesting dynamic going on out there, you know. Yeah, that's but very flattering. From, from, from a question, from a question point of view, the monopoly, the mono, monopoly you're talking about, right? Um the the bad part i guess is basically most of these products want a monopoly right startups are around creating the huge win and you know most of these are startups a lot of open source software has gotten that monopoly and has become a startup like nginx or elastic so i guess that there's a healthy tension between uh, your aspiration as a startup uh, trying to be a monopoly right and um sort of also you know having like from a consumer standpoint i think more options are better because there's then healthy competition but from a startup point of view everybody wants a monopoly like everybody wants to be the facebook of their own category right so yeah that that there's a healthy tension going on there yeah uh yeah it's interesting um so g- getting back to your software architecture so you know, products like Facebook and Quora and LinkedIn, they need to build these complicated taxonomies to represent the different entities that exist across these platforms. So Siftery uh, is still in its early days, and you're building out the taxonomy to represent companies and the products. Mm-hmm. How do you build a taxonomy that is rich enough to represent the products and the companies on that platform, but also flexible enough to support different taxonomic schemas in the future? Yeah, I think the our idea was basically, like when we started working on it, our taxonomy was really complex, right? As, as engineers, you know, we try to over-engineer at times. Uh, I, I think, you know, we've gone back and made it very simple. If you look at the category structure, it's just two layer right now. I, I think um, we would like to keep it as flat as possible. Uh, if you look at Quora, it's, it's a really, it's a really you know, complex sort of tax to do there. Uh, and I'm sure that the other companies that you mentioned have really complex ones. But they also have that kind of a scale, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think for us, Siftery, we've kept it simple right now. Uh, but right, uh, but what we want to do also is um, build a sort of a tagging mechanism, which is not really uh, like in a tree structure. It's more free-flowing, right? Uh, inboxes versus labels. Some kind of a taxonomy, which is more... Uh, not which is less hierarchical and more mm. you know more sort of free flowing and loose right i can mm. i can tag a product into like if you go to siftery right now uh, a company can be tagged into a y combinator portfolio healthcare technology or a unicorn so the different so if you look at the 
the the relationship between a unicorn or a healthcare technology is not very like it's there's it's not tightly coupled so i think i think for a system like siftry we we're trying to be a loosely coupled taxonomy sort of system um it it is still like it's still evolving uh but right now we are trying to keep it like less hierarchical more like sort of open ended so that we can on Quora, I think it's interesting because you see, you get a sense that they do both. Like from the user's point of view, it's totally flat. If you tag something, if you tag a question as software engineering and software architecture, mm-hmm. from the user's point of view, there is no coupling between those two. They're just two disparate yep. categories. But you have to imagine on the back end, there yep. is some sort of hierarchy where those are connected. But they can change and mix and match and refactor that however they want to and it's it's totally not exposed to the user yeah i think uh, they also have a much more the challenge of quora is that the data is less structured right you can open up any topic today and it's difficult for um, so a lot of lot of their tagging and retagging is actually moderated right so they it's not automated a lot of it is actually moderators stacking it themselves right so i i think for a system like quora or google for that matter even facebook uh, i think the data is less structured way less structured for a, for a for a system like siftery it, it the structure is inherent um so we i don't think we had to have you know we didn't like had to worry about taxonomy to that extent that Akura would want to have because it's just it's just stru- less structured data. I mean, you can open up a tag today, open up a question. It, it might be very difficult to put it in any category. Um, we, we probably will go there in terms of right now, the categories are pretty broad, right? We can break it down further, right? If you look at analytics, like there could be so many types of analytics. So if you look at uh, log streaming there could be so many types so i i think rather than putting it in terms of um subcategories and sub subcategories and sub sub subcategories i think we can we can do a taxonomy which is more user driven which is like you know uh, like this type of this type of product is being used by people who are doing podcasts right so so quick time will be like you know, <laughs> SED, uh, like something like oh, that. So that 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 kind of stuff that we can do, and that also goes into the recommendation engine. You know, like we are not we are not driving the recos. Uh, you know, yet the 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 taxonomy is not fed well into the into the rec reco engine. We we want to do that at some point of time. Yeah. So what are you focused on right now? Because obviously, there's so many different directions you could go in. Uh, but I imagine you are honing your focus in on on one or two product initiatives. What are you looking at the most? I think the primary focus of 2016 is to build a very good, you know, and rich uh, product to company graph, which can drive off the recommendations. That's the only goal. I think we've stayed away from um, putting textual content in. We've stayed away from reviews. We've stayed away from voting. These are very low-hanging fruits that when you build out, it's it's very tempting for you to build it because the rest of the world is building it. I think a lot of emails have come to me because, like, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of emails have come to me which is which where the users are saying that 
Like, how did you resist? The comments. The comments, you know. Yeah. The, the, like, how no, did you resist a, that's it? That's a high-interest credit card. Yeah, because it's just, you know, how do you resist it? How are you not, why are you not doing? Now, two things we actually resisted. One is textual content. And it, it is now counterintuitive because it's now working, right? Initially, we were not sure whether it will work or not because, but the world is, the entire world is, and, you know, the entire world is review focused and reviews are hard to keep up with. Most, most of these reviews, if you see, like, 2012 review doesn't make sense anymore. It's 2016 now, right? So constant and the incentive structure around someone giving us reviews. Um, so we, we try to stay hard. We try to stay away from it. Um, and also the other other thing that we did was, uh, you know, had a very lively feel to the website, right? It, it is like a B2B2C company. Uh, so Sorry, B2B2C product. So... Um, we had to sort of like all the rest. I mean, we, we consciously tried to keep it very, very young and, and lively with colors. You know, it, it, it is almost <laughs> like this uh, product which you enjoy. It's B2B, right? B2B is not supposed to be uh, this lively at times, right? But th- that's also something that we built around. Our designer is like a 22 year old kid, so he, he he brings in that youth, uh, you know, which is reflected around the product. But yeah, totally. from a from a from a focus point of view, I think we want to build the you know best sort of product to company graph, and we we will probably focus you know most of our energies there, um, and not get into the temptations. Uh, the other thing that I sorry, other thing I wanted to sort of bring up, I forgot. Um, it's very it's very easy to monetize if you look at it, you know, on the vendor side of things, right? We don't want to do that. We don't want to do that because then the buyer will lose faith in us that you know you are shopping us around. So uh, even though, so we've stayed away from that temptation also, and we've stayed and we are going to stay away from that temptation. Um, you can quickly make a lot of money on the vendor side because vendors want to spend. Um, you know, the marketing dollars on platforms where buyers are hanging out, right? So, so we, we have basically, this is a platform which is geared towards buyers. Uh, and we will do everything uh, that is in our capacity to, uh, you know, get the buyer experience right. Right now, we are just doing selection. Um, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to stop there. It could be usage also um, how much are you spending how much should you spend what is your quarterly spend on your sales tools right maybe you are spending like 200 percent more right so a lot of analytics can come from uh, the platform and i think our goal 2016 beyond goal will be to do everything in our capacity to help out the buyers you know wade through this uh, overabundance of software as Oren had mentioned in his blog yeah well uh, we'll put that blog post in the show notes uh, Ian I want to thank you for coming on Software Engineering Daily this has been a fascinating conversation and I am a huge fan and a user of Siftery so I look forward to the uh, future product iterations thank you so much thank, thank you for having me and great to great to talk about you know, what we're building at Siftery thanks